The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning back into the show, always appreciate it when you do. So I just got back from Portland, Oregon, and that class was awesome. Um, really, really good turnout, really great group of people. They seemed really just happy to be there and, and engaged, and everybody was kind of talking and, and making friends. And, you know, I think the class went really well. I got some really nice feedback again. Um, and, you know, I just really like seeing people having fun in, in a class, you know, and getting to, to share some information. Uh, the Powers That Be in Vancouver, Washington, great space. I really have to say extra special thank you to Kellen Smith and his wife. Um, really amazing studio, and you know, definitely thank you for uh, you know letting me do the seminar there. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'd love to, love to come back sometime. I did it again, and I was uh, having too much fun living life, and I didn't record any podcast interviews with people. Um, I, I went out, and I went for a hike, and... Um, you know, I, I saw Metallica live. They just happened to be there when I was there, so I figured, why not? Um, went out and got some nice food, um, but I didn't really have time to record interviews with anybody. I, I stopped into a few different studios. Every time, people kept telling me, oh, you better get out of here soon because of the traffic. Apparently, Portland has crazy traffic that starts at like 2 in the afternoon, so um, I was kind of bouncing around from here to there, and I didn't really get any interviews, so I have a few... Uh, set up for Skype over the next few weeks, so you'll hear some Portland area uh, people, but I didn't capture any while I was out there. I did uh, do a little bit of audio when I was out on a hike. I talked a little bit about how my seminar went, and I talked about how the APP elections went. Definitely stay tuned after this week's interview to hear that little section. You can hear some uh, future news for me that kind of leads into the next thing. I'm going to have a little bit more free time on my hands coming up, uh, you know, mid-2019 and, and forward, so I think what I'm going to be doing is filling my time with a lot more seminars. Um, the next one I have is in Nashville, Tennessee, but you know, that that's going to be a little bit more low key. I'm already closing registration for that one. I originally intended to just kind of add it on to a, a personal trip for a wrestling show, thinking I'll do, you know, one quick little class at an Airbnb, you know, eight people one day, and then that turned into okay, so I've got enough people and I'll do two days. And then it was, okay, I have to raise the cap. And then it was, okay, should I get a larger venue? But, you know, I decided I'm not going to do a larger venue. I just want to kind of make it low-key and easy, um, make it a, a little bit more fun for everybody. So I don't want to turn it into like a, a big work ordeal. So registration is uh, officially closed for Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I really appreciate everybody signing up. You know, I, I'm always uh, really flattered by, by people who want to take the time to, to come out and listen to me blabber and, and, you know, pierce some bananas. My next official class after that is going to be Monday, February 25th in Glasgow, Scotland. So if you're a UK piercer, definitely mark that off on your calendar. I don't have registration open just yet because I'm still securing the venue, but um, I do have everything lined up for that day. So Monday, February 25th, save the date and keep in mind that it's going to be a, a special joint class with Jeff Saunders. I don't typically do uh, co-instruction outside of you know conference uh, conference environments. So I think it's going to be a really really fun time. I'm going to do a section on 
freehand concepts and Jeff's going to do a section on uh, going disposable and you know minimal tools or not reprocessing tools and then we're going to do a, a section together about incorporating all that information into your uh, into your practice and I think it's going to be a really special class for a lot of people so you know if, you, if you're capable of coming to Glasgow Scotland uh, we would love to see you there Monday February 25th uh, as I said, I don't have registration open right now, but one of the best things you can do is um, I made a, a Facebook page for all my instruction. So go ahead and follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willette. You can get all the info, all the updates, all the event page listings uh, for all, all my future classes. So you can kind of stay up to date on what's available and, and where I'll be. You can also go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can get some general info there and, uh, you know, just kind of popping around the world and, and having some fun and, and meeting some new piercers. Other info for uh, piercer nerds out there, I have my Gentian Violence hoodies back in stock. Uh, I've only got about two dozen available on the website right now, so definitely grab them while you can. They sold out pretty quickly last time, so if you want one for yourself or if you want one for a, a Christmas present for someone, um, definitely go ahead and grab one of those. I'll get them shipped out to you uh, as soon as possible. So my guest this week is Tanea Devine. Tanea is uh, a piercer a little bit earlier on in her piercing career. Uh, she came up a few weeks ago and shadowed at my studio. We talked about you know the the state of piercing and, and all different kinds of things. Um, it just lined up being one of those really good days with a lot of interesting, diverse piercings, a lot of really nice clients. So perfect time to have someone shadow. Tanea got to see a, a couple piercings for the first time, and um, you know got to ask a, a lot of questions. And you know that's kind of what the uh, the podcast interview is is you know talking about how you make those connections and how you get out there as a younger piercer and you know how you how you meet people make connections get information and how you bring that information back to your studio and uh you know put it into to good use so definitely uh listen to that whole interview and stick around after that you'll hear a little bit of info from me when i'm out in the woods kind of talking about the uh, the portland class and the app elections since I slacked a little bit while I was in Portland, I'm not going to have an interview set up for you for next week, and I'm going to be out of town for a few days, and I won't have time to record one this week. So what I would like to do for next week is kind of a Q&A episode, so you can go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. You can message me on Facebook or that Body Art Education Facebook page, message me on Instagram, you know, wherever you, you might be uh, internet friends with me. Send me any, any sort of questions, anything you want me to cover on the show, you know, you want me to talk about aftercare, you want me to talk about jewelry, you want me to talk about apprenticeships, um, any sort of questions that you might have about the, the piercing industry, go ahead and send them to me and uh, that'll be next week's episode, okay? So let's get into this week's episode with Tanea Devine. I am Tanea Devine, and I work at Divine Designs Tattoo and Body Piercing in West Plains, Missouri. Um, you can find me on Facebook as uh, Tanea Devine. I just use my personal page. Um, or we have our studio is Divine Designs Tattoo and Body Piercing Emporium. So how long have you been piercing? Uh, four years. And how did, you, how did you get into it? Did you get into it with an apprenticeship or did you end up in it some other way? Um, an apprenticeship. What it was as um, I met my husband and he was a tattoo apprentice and I was a nurse at the time and I was hanging out at the shop a lot after work um, just because he was there and got to know um, one of the ladies that was a tattoo artist and body piercer and just kind of she actually just became my friend. And of course I told her, I was like, I've always really been interested in the piercing side of it. Um, just because I liked getting them. 
And then I was like, well, you know, I am a nurse and I do stick people on a regular basis anyway. So maybe I would be good at this. And she just kind of took me under her wing and was like, hey, if you want to do an apprenticeship, you know, I would love to teach you. And so, of course, I went back and talked to Michael about it. And he's like, you know, if if that's something you want to do, might as well do it. And then it kind of happened where I ended up quitting my nursing job because of some things that went down. And she was like, hey, I need some help. So get over here. I'll teach you how to do this. And you can kind of be some extra hands for me. So that's really how it how it started. So do you, do you feel like you had, um, like, do you feel like your skills as a nurse carried over well to body piercing? Do you feel like there wasn't much crossover and you were still kind of starting from, from, from scratch? I feel like there was a little bit of crossover, but very, very minimal. Um, I was actually an x-ray medical technician, so I did a lot more x-ray than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did have, um, like background and where I had to do give shots and draw blood. So, that side of it, you know, just the like needles and things like that and more of the cross-contamination, bloodborne pathogens, that stuff, yes. But everything else was completely different. So you you came out to my studio a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, your your husband ended up contacting me and said, you know, basically uh, she's, she's interested in, in the way you work and, you know, it would be nice if she had the opportunity to come out and get a piercing and just kind of say hi. And so I extended the offer of like, well, you know, why don't you just kind of trick her into coming up here under that guise, but then, you know, we'll, we'll just have her shadow for the day sort of thing. And, um, he told me that he was kind of a bad secret keeper. So <laughs> yeah, he let the cat out of the bag a little bit early, but, um, so how did, how did that, how did that work out for you? You know, like, I, I feel like it was, I feel like it was a really good day for you to come in because you got to see like yes. a really kind of wide range of, of stuff. I, you know, I, I know that we had a lot of genital piercings that day and other mm-hmm. like creative things. So, you know, what was it like um, going from, you know, one studio where you had one mentor to, you know, ending up in another studio uh, that was doing kind of like different work than you were used to seeing? Yeah, it was incredible because, you know, I was piercing in, <laughs> in a mall in Tennessee and it was strictly I mean this just the same thing constantly lips nostrils tongues so it wasn't it was never anything like and a wide variety of anything and then I moved here to West Plains and it's an even smaller town of about 13,000 so it's the same you know we I do the same things constantly and I haven't even ever been asked to do a male genital piercing so to be able to come to your studio and actually see it done I mean it was phenomenal because I've never even been able to see it performed uh so and just off the top of my head did you did you notice that I'm, I'm doing a, a Tennessee seminar Yes, in Nashville. I did see that and I have talked to my husband about that so it is definitely on the list cool. Because that's um, only about six hours for me. Oh, well, I mean, that's not terrible. That's like the distance from me to like Philadelphia, I think. It's right. Six oh, hours. okay. Very cool. Yeah, it's not a bad trip at all. I mean, we go to Memphis all the time because my husband's family still lives there. So, yeah. So when it comes to kind of seeing a, a more like limited scope of like body piercing variety, 
do you think it's kind of um you know, one causes the other, you know, like you're, you're, you don't have a lot of experience with variety because people don't ask for certain things, but because you don't have an experience level that you're comfortable offering certain stuff, people don't really know it's available. So, you know, right. how do you, how do you feel like a piercer in that position can kind of move off of that plateau? Um, kind of doing what, um, like what I did, you know, going, I mean, I was lucky enough to where my husband kind of set it up and then you said, Hey, let's, let's shadow me. Um, but just going and seeing if you can shadow other piercers that they're in bigger areas that do more of this stuff, because I mean, like in my opinion, if you don't do that, you, you, you'll kind of be stuck in what you're comfortable at your Mm -hmm. comfort level and you won't ever, you know, go out and above that because that's kind of where I was at for the longest time is I just was like, you know, I haven't, I haven't done half of these piercings or what people are wanting and I'm terrified. And so I was able to kind of go online and find a lot of piercing forums that have a lot of experienced piercers in the group. And I was lucky enough to come um, come along one that she is in Springfield, Missouri. So it's only about two hours for me. And she's also an APP member. And I was able to go shadow her as well. Um, and she has shown me a lot. And that has helped tremendously. Because, I mean, when I went with her, I was like, I can do the basics. And that's what I was taught. And I use clamps and, you know, she was like, here, let's try the freehand, try this, try a different technique. And it just, it helped so, so much. So, you know, as, as a, a newer piercer kind of reaching out for, you know, mentoring and information and, and shadowing opportunities, like, have you ever encountered a piercer who, who hasn't been open to it yet? Like, have you had anybody who's been like, no, I'm not interested in, in talking to you, helping you, showing you anything? Have you encountered anything like that? No, I haven't actually. And it's, I'm, I've been very grateful for that because every single person, I mean, no matter where they are in the world, um, they have been absolutely just phenomenal with it. You know, I've asked other people with, especially in these, these forums, um, just kind of, you know, talking about experience or things that we've done and everyone has been so, um, like forthcoming with information and willing to say, ah, you know, that one looks, doesn't look right. You know, if you send a picture or what do you guys think of this? Or do you have any suggestions why this isn't healing correctly or things like that? And no one thus far has been, um, they have not been rude or, um, not willing to help or anything. It's, it's actually been really amazing with the kindness that I have experienced from people. I I feel like that's, um, uh, one of the, the most positive things that I can say about Mm -hmm. a lot of current generations of body piercers. You know, I, I think we're in an age when most of the experienced body piercers that have somewhere in that, you know, 10 to 15 years experience level, they were all helped by someone, you know, right. and, and now I think they just kind of see it as a natural part of the industry of like, okay, yeah, obviously if someone's asking a question, I'm going to, you know, offer them any information I can or, you know, offer them a, a, a an invitation to come to my studio and, and check it out or maybe watch me pierce or, you know, maybe right. kind of steer them in a certain direction. And, you know, I, I think that's really cool. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. hear of people who are, closing that door on people because that was that was a a pretty big 
thing in the industry in, in like I think the the mid to early to late 90s is a, a, people were a lot stingier with their information and they kind of felt like it was um you know for for every uh for every other piercer out there working you know that's a little bit less income for me so you know I want to kind of keep right. it to myself but now right. I, I think people see that it's such a large market where mm -hmm. it's like you know especially when people are on the internet and they're from like you know, other states driving or flying hours to, to come in for those uh, shadowing opportunities. Like, you know, mm -hmm. what, what harm does it do? You know, you really want right. to pass that information around. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it has just been, it's been awesome. Cause I, I was very, very, um, insecure about that, reaching out to people and just being like, you know, I've only been in it, you know, for four years and that, I mean, I haven't even been piercing that long. Like I had to stop for two years um, and only peer. Actually, I was piercing like off and on for a year because I um, couldn't afford it at the time. And I couldn't get my license switched over from Tennessee to Missouri. So mm. I had to go back to the nursing um, field. So I felt like, you know, trying to ask questions. I was just I was so nervous because, I, you know, I was like I was taught with uh, externally threaded, you know, with, I mean, I was, it was more of like a, you pick it, I'll stick it type of thing. It was, mm -hmm. there, it was, there was just nothing to it. And just, I've had to sit down and get books and study and ask people and just learn on my own pretty much, you know, and that, that's scary too. Cause I'm like, well, what if I'm not doing this right? I don't have someone that I can say, Hey, can you show me this? You know, look over my shoulder and say that. Cause it's just my husband and I, and there's only one other shop in our town and they are doing the total opposite of what I'm doing. So, <laughs> well, you know, I think it's good that you have that perspective of knowing, you know, that, that you don't know it all yet because you're, right. you're newer in the industry. I think one of the worst things that could happen to a, a younger piercer is to think like, oh, I've got it all figured out. You know, I've oh. been piercing for four years. So I mean, right. I, you know, obviously I know what I'm doing, you know, because there are still piercers out there with 20 years experience who still have things to learn, you know? And Absolutely. I think the the sooner you figure that out in your career, the the better off. And, and the sooner you build up that kind of uh, confidence or, or internal structure to to kind of reach out and say, Hey, you know, I have a question, you know, can I, can I mm -hmm. bend your ear about this? Can I come and check out your shop? You know, can you answer right. these questions in an email? I, I think when you get to that point, um, it opens a whole new door for you as a body piercer. Right. It absolutely does. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I, number one, I have a terrible memory. You know, I, I vaguely remember some of the stuff that, that I did while you were out, but what were some of the things that, that you thought were interesting that you hadn't maybe seen before? Well, definitely the the genital piercings, the male genital ones, the, the PA for mm -hmm. one. And then um, I think you did uh, like a... Um, Was it a pubic piercing? A Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Those are super cool. And like, I hardly ever get to do those anyway. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was really, really good fortune that you were there that day for that. Yeah. And I absolutely, because I, I would have really never known how to do that. If someone would have walked into my studio and asked, I would have been having to tell them to go somewhere else because I just, I wouldn't have felt comfortable to do it, you know, because I had yeah. never even seen it, much less performed it. So like the, the generation of, of piercing that I came up in in the 90s, it was, you know, there was a little bit of information online, but not much yet. You know, there really weren't a lot of forums. It was really at the, like the, the very beginning of BME. So there, there, there wasn't that like full learning infrastructure there yet. But 
um, you know, back then I remember just being like, yeah, sure. I can figure it out. You know, it's, it's, right. a, it's a needle and <laughs> clamps and it's like, how, how different can it be than this other thing that I do? Right. And, you know, so much, so much trial and error. And, you know, I, all the time I talk about it and I think about it, like if I had had someone, you know, when I was, uh, just a few years in, like I opened, I opened my own studio when I only had maybe like three years experience. And like yeah. most of that was just amateur piercing or, you know, piercing in a place that, let me have access to a room and a sterilizer, but there was, there was no piercing infrastructure there. So a lot of it was just kind of like guessing really, right, you know, like right. trial and error. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think what if, what if I had had the opportunity, you know, to, to go and really watch someone work and, and have like, you know, some, some studio where I can kind of learn from them, you know, how much, how much, uh, faster would I've been able to progress, you know? And so right. when I finally started making those connections through, BME and the APP conference and you know there there were the the one or two studios in New England that that I had like a working relationship with so you know that was the whole new chapter for me so now I I love to to invite people in even if I I don't know them at all or don't know where they right. are in their career it's like you know yeah come on in like you know what what harm could it possibly do right absolutely yeah and it just it just helps helps our industry grow so did you, did you try any of the stuff that you saw in the shop when you got back, like any of the freehand techniques or any of that stuff? Yes. Yes. And see, I have been freehanding or freehand piercing prior to coming out there. Mm -hmm. Um, cause like I said, um, Seville that I was shadowing in, um, Springfield, she, I shadowed her one day and then she invited me down to Texas with her to pierce at an APP shop there that she um, pierces at regularly. And so I went with her and that's where she was able to show me and actually like show me on one person freehand. And then on the next one come in, I was able to do it because mm -hmm. they're a very, very high volume shop. And without that experience, I probably wouldn't be freehand piercing right now. You know, without going and, you know, saying, you know, even though I have a child at home and I'm a mom and I have a business to run, you know, there was there was were all those thoughts that came into my head. Like, I, I, I probably can't swing this trip. I can't do it. And then it was like, no, to better your career and to better yourself and to learn, you have to make these sacrifices. You have to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to find your parents and your grandparents to watch your child and things like that, you know, so that you can do better. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I've got to go down there and do all that because I was able to come back to my shop and bring more experience and bring new ideas and new technique, such as, you know, the freehand piercing and stuff. I, I think like the main trend I see in, in body piercers like yourself and body piercers that, you know, know how to kind of like manifest success, you know, it's, it's all that drive and that understanding of like, you know, the more hard work I put in, the better off I'm going to be a year from now or five years from now, you know? So yes. I, I know that there are body piercers that, that listen to this podcast, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they're, they're nervous to make that first step towards where they want to be, you know, like they, they're kind of plateaued in a studio and, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's be, because of any like negative aspect or anything like that. It's sometimes they just feel like they don't have someone where they can right. reach out and, and ask a question or, or you know, take that step up. So like, what, what is some of the advice you would give a piercer like that? Like how, how do you think they would make those first steps towards where they want to be? Um, well, definitely, um, try and 
what I did is, I mean, I was definitely that person, you know, I was very intimidated by the seasoned piercers or the ones that had been there for years. I was very terrified that someone would be, would say no, you know, just, I was terrified of no, which is silly, you know, cause all someone can say is no. And then you go on to the next one, you know, but mm-hmm. it is that first step is very, very intimidating. Um, but I just kind of got on Facebook and I found um, piercer babes, which I was, I'm very, very glad that I did. It was just one of the forums that I, you know, typed in piercing forums or, you know, and different ones came up and I was just lucky enough to kind of stumble upon that one. And that is really where I started feeling, um, more confident because I realized, oh, there are other piercers in here that have only been doing it for one to four years or five years, or they're still an apprentice or, you know, there's, some in here that have been doing it for 30 years, you know, and even those ones that have been in there for 15, 30 years, they're, they're still offering advice and help and kindness. And that in itself just built the confidence. So then I had posted, you know, Hey, is there anyone that is around the West Plains, Missouri area? I'm really looking for, um, opportunities to shadow or, just help in general to answer questions because, you know, I'm the only one in my shop and I don't have that in my area. And just, just from being in that group is when I found Seville. So then some, she said, I'd be more than happy to help you, you know? So it just kind of started with me just biting the bullet and reaching out. You know, I thought I could get zero hits on this. There's probably no one close to West Plains, Missouri, because it's a little bitty old town, you know, but Hey, why not give it a shot? And I did. And I'm, I'm glad I did because I was able to find one person that led me to two people that led me to five, you know? And so if you just kind of bite the bullet and do it, then, you know, you could just open a whole new world of opportunity for yourself. You know, there, there are a lot of piercers that I think would, would kind of classify themselves as like introvert, you know, and I'm definitely among them, you know, and, uh, so, you know, if you have, if you have a Facebook page, which is going to be most people and, and mm-hmm. most piercers these days, um, yeah, do, do the same thing that, that she's talking about. You know, you can do a search for, uh, different piercing forums. You can find, you know, there's the body modification learning forum. There's mm-hmm. the freehand piercing professionals forum. You know, there's the, um, APP non-member question forum. You know, there, there are plenty of avenues available and there are so many piercers in there where, right. you know, if you go on and you're intimidated by someone who has, you know, 50,000 Instagram followers and <laughs> teaching classes and APP member and all that stuff, like, you know, they're, they're sure there are those people that you might feel a little bit intimidated by or, or feel weird asking the questions. But then there's also going to be 20 other piercers who, you know, were, are kind of in the same position you are or were within the last few years, you know, and they're just, yes. they're kind people and just uh, you can be a, a bug on the wall for a little while and you can just kind of read the comments and the posts and you mm-hmm. can kind of get a feel for, you know, who who kind of like seems like your type of person, you know, who's um, posting the stuff that you're liking or agreeing right. with, you know, and, and then just, you know, friend them and, and yep. s- send out that message like, hey, you know, I'm a piercer too and, you know, I wanted to get your opinion on this or that or, hey, do you know anyone in, in my area that I could maybe link up with and, and shadow for the day or even just have a cup of coffee with. Exactly. Yes. And you know, that's a lot that I do too. And it's helped, um, just, just learning in general is kind of like you said, just kind of being a fly on the wall there, you know, and in the groups that I'm in, I don't, I don't post a lot, um, more. I actually just read a lot. Um, 
you know, there would be someone that say, hey, you know, this is the jewelry that I put on this girl um, for this specific piercing. Do you think this looks good? And then someone would say, you know, I actually wouldn't have went with that diameter. I would have went here. And just reading those other comments, it's like, oh, that's right. And, you know, you can take notes on that stuff. And even when I first started, I'm like, you know, I've got to get my jewelry better. I have to. I have to. That's That was my main goal getting back into the shop full time was I'm going to work on the jewelry and going on those those forums and seeing what people where they're buying it from because I I didn't know I had no clue you know I knew that when I was piercing at the place in Memphis they were using painful pleasures and that's all I knew (laughs) and I'm glad that I got did my research and I went on those forums and found out that there's other places to to buy good jewelry and if it wasn't for those forums and those other ladies asking those questions, I, I, it would have taken me a lot longer to figure out where to go. Yeah, I mean, you can really get a leg up because, um, you know, I just to kind of draw a similarity, I got into 3D printing recently, <clears throat> you know, and I, I bought a 3D printer and I didn't know any, like, I didn't even know how to, like, put the thing together, <laughs> you know, what kind of materials I would need. Any, I had absolutely no beginner knowledge, you know, so I just, I, I joined a Facebook forum for, for my mm-hmm. 3D printer, and I did the same thing. You know, I, I scrolled through, and I read every, like, every topic that, that seemed interesting or helpful. You know, I, I got right. people's opinions, and, and now... Mm-hmm. You know, I can do this stuff and I have kind of a, a base level of knowledge, you know, and then with some intuition, mm-hmm. I can kind of start to get a feel of like, okay, well, this works for me. This doesn't work for me, you know, so you can kind of pick up on those different schools of thought because with body piercing, there's there's no just one right way, you know, right. there are multiple right. right ways. And I think one of the harder parts as a body piercer is kind of figuring out what's the right way for you, you know, because... Exactly. You can follow a piercer and you can try to copycat what they do, but if it doesn't feel natural to you, you're, you're really not going to be able to advance much in, in that right. kind of school of thinking, you know? So mm-hmm. um, learn a little bit of everything, uh, see what just makes the most sense to you, you know? And, and then again, you know, notice who are the people that are making the most sense to you, you know? And then reach out to them and, or, you know, follow them on Instagram and start mm-hmm. to get a feel for the kind of work they're putting out. And, you know, you can pay attention to like, you know, the, the jewelry company names that they're yes. dropping or mm-hmm. the aftercare they're talking about, or you can get a feel for their placement or their, their color palette. You can learn so many different things by just being like a creeper, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what are, what are some of the, the, like the short-term and long-term goals you think you're setting for yourself? You know, cause it seems like you're, you know, you're kind of starting to make your way. You're getting more familiar with jewelry companies and mm-hmm. techniques and piercers and stuff. So what do you think are some of the next steps you want to do for learning? Um, well, definitely, um, I definitely want to get in on some of your seminars for sure. Um, that is definitely com- a short-term goal for sure <laughs> here pretty soon. Um, but another one is just getting all of the like just throwing away all of the old jewelry going through and a lot of it I have kind of like stashed away mm-hmm. like in a box I think it's like a, it looks like a little briefcase I've just put everything that's terrible in there um, mostly just going through that getting just literally just throwing it away going through the older stuff I, I pretty after I left your shop I came back and I just really got rid like pretty much threw all of that away any already but um and just finding the best jewelry, you know, cause I, it, right now, you know, it's, 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 it takes, it takes a while to get a good 
quantity of jewelry built up. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, and then I see yours, and I'm like, oh, man, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> well, you know, it's definitely a step-by-step. -step. You know, I think one of the, the more common mistakes I see with younger piercers is them thinking that to, to be a good piercer, air quotes, good piercer, they have to have that kind of a selection. And, mm -hmm. like, if I had tried to, to have a selection, even half what I have now... Uh, before I was ready, I I could have put myself out of business, you know. Right, so right. you know, don't don't feel self conscious about your jewelry selection. You know, I mm -hmm. think the first priority for any piercer in a situation like that is, you know, think of the quality that you're comfortable with, and then grow your options on that. Like once once you start getting returns on your investment for like you know setting up good quality basics, mm -hmm. that's when you can start using your return to kind of expand, you know, and try some some gem colors or some you know titanium options or gold options mm -hmm. and stuff like that, you know, but it's right. definitely a slow process. It is. It is. And definitely, um, going to like your shop and the other few shops that I have shadowed at, um, seeing how they like, you know, you can actually go and pick out the jewelry and say, I want to be pierced with this mm -hmm. versus kind of how I was taught and still how I'm still kind of doing things. You know, I buy, all internally threaded titanium jewelry to pierce with, but it's just basic, mm -hmm. you know, and I just have that, that it's like, here is what I pierce with. Here's the price, but I do have some options. I'm growing it um, to where I can say, you know, this is internally threaded titanium or some gold pieces that you can get pierced with, but it's, it's, it hasn't gone over well yet. <laughs> so I'm still learning on that, how to, talk to them how to talk to the customer yeah sales techniques sales techniques are tough you know yeah, i yeah. there was a there were de there definitely like um like phases of my career and mm -hmm. my first phase was like oh i'm a body piercer this is awesome and like no idea what i was doing you know and, <laughs> yes. and then it was okay I, I i understand that there's better out there and i'm gonna mm -hmm. seek it out and and try to learn you know there was that phase and then there was the okay, I need to switch my jewelry over to the quality that I, that I want to offer people, you know? And then it was, okay, I'm going to try to get in some options. And then it was like, now I have to figure out how to sell these options to people, <laughs> right. you know? And that was tough because, you know, especially if you're in a position where you, you built a clientele or you've been working in a studio for a while with what you would consider, you know, below standard jewelry. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have those same clientele who, who come back to you because like, you know, you, you do a good job to, you know, give them good customer service and to make sure that things are clean and make sure that things are healing and you're giving good aftercare. So you have happy people coming back. And then when you try to do that, that second piercing where, you know, your cost has gone from, okay, well, I can offer you something for 35, 40 bucks with jewelry to, okay, I have to charge you at least 60 or 70 with jewelry right. because of this quality. That's one of the hardest phases of a career. And yeah. I struggled with that too. And I, I think a lot of piercers do struggle with that. And you kind of have to, you have to kind of get to that mental level where you're comfortable kind of letting some clientele go because right. not every client is going to be comfortable or, or able to get a piercing at that, you know, minimum quality standard tier, you know, and, and yes. I, I get it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I get that not everybody can afford, you know, filet mignon, you know, so exactly. some people eat chicken, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I, I get that, you know, I would never fault anyone for it, but there, there definitely was a point in my career where I had to say to people, I, I empathize, I'm keeping my prices as low as possible, 
uh, to the point where I'm barely breaking even on this jewelry, but you have to understand that I'm doing this for your safety and everyone else's safety, and I just don't feel comfortable offering anything below that minimum standard level. And right. once you get to that point, then it's when you, you really have to start building that new clientele, you know, mm -hmm. and, and every area is going to have it, no matter what, no matter how low income people think right. their area is, there's always going to be those people who want what they would think of as good jewelry, you know, and the hard part is being able to communicate with them properly. Exactly. Yes. And I know that you had said, uh, mentioned something to me while I was out there that, you know, a really cool idea would be, you know, go to your hair, where you're like your hair salon, where you get your hair done and say, you know, I if you guys let me put my cards in here, I will give you all like a 10% discount come in. That way you can, I can put good jewelry in you guys and you can show everyone how nice it is and show your clientele and kind of something like that. And I thought that was a really, really good idea. Yeah. Well, you know, you're welcome. No, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you want to think, uh, you know, if you're in an area and you're, you're struggling with like making that jump from one tier to another, try to think of, you know, okay, uh, what do what do I like in my life? I'm someone who understands good quality body jewelry. So you know what do, you know where do I go to eat? Where do I go to to drink if I'm a bar person? Where do I go to to buy clothes or to get my hair done or my nails or anything? You know, and then you can kind of touch base with with those. Uh, with those markets, you know, so you can say, you know, hey, um, I'd be happy to let you put up, uh, you know, a poster or a flyer in, in my store if I could put one up here or, you know, let me have some of your cards that I can put on my countertop. Let me put some of my cards here and you can kind of start in those little easy ways that don't really cost you anything, you know, and then you can definitely offer discounts. I know plenty of studios that, um, you know, the the cool like hipster bar or like cool barbershop or cool nail salon, you know, like they, they give their friends that work there discounts so that when their clients are getting something done and they say, oh, that's an awesome piercing or gorgeous jewelry, where'd you get it? They can say, oh, okay, right. you know, go to Divine, go to PBA, you know, go here, go there. And it's great to just kind of build those, those connections with uh, comparable services. Right. Yes. And and I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I hadn't even thought of that. And then you, you said bar and places like that. And like, those are very good ideas, very good marketing tools um, to use. Well, you know, body piercing, body piercing is in an age where it's really seen as fashion, you know, so yes. think about yes. the other things that are related to fashion, you know, so um, you know, clothes, shoes, mm -hmm. nails, hair, all, all that stuff, you know, um, uh, there, there are studio, uh, there, there are different stores that I walk into and I think like, okay, I'm into the product that they're selling. Um, but even this is, is out of my price range, you know? So I want to learn from, from that situation. Like how are they physically, like if I went, if I go into like a really high end sneaker shop, I got to yeah. look at it and be like, well, how are they selling 600 $600 pairs of sneakers, you know? And, right. or if, if you go to a, a hair salon and it's like, you know, 80 or a hundred dollars for, for, you know, a, a hair, hair job, dye job, cut job, you know, <laughs> whatever it would be. Um, you know, how are they doing that? And how are they getting those repeat customers that come back every couple of weeks? You know, like I used to be the kind of person that I would just cut my own hair in a mirror, you know, for, for years yeah. because I was cheap. And now I'm the kind of person I go to like a cool barbershop, you know? Yeah. So I, I learn when I'm in those situations, I see how they talk and how they communicate, how they, you know, design the environment to, to, 
bring in new clientele, make them feel comfortable and turn them into repeat clientele. And I try to apply as many of those lessons as I can to my own studio. Yes, that's very good for sure. And that is definitely one of my short term goals as well is to market a lot better to those other places. Because like I said before, I hadn't thought of those types of places to go to or, or how to even speak to them like that. You know, usually I decide, Oh, well, I'll just go over here and put my card up here and then leave, you know, or I, I think sometimes, it to a wall or, you know, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you can, you can market in a way where, um, you're trying to be so low impact that you can actually, you know, either make no pre progress or sometimes there can be right. negative progress. You know, I like I'm at a point where I think if I took uh, a stack of business cards and, you know, pin them to the cork board at, at Panera Bread or something, that would probably actually look look worse for my shop right. than the way I market myself now. So yes. there are definite there are definite tiers, but you also want to pay attention to always being. Um, you know, forward thinking and, and progressive and it, there are certain points where you want to kind of abandon certain kinds of advertising and marketing. Like there are a lot of studios that I'm sure used to do phone book ads, you know, and like right. now who, who does that, you know, and right. you can t take your money and you can put it on a, a Facebook ad or a Google ad, or you can even do things that cost zero money, you know, mm -hmm. have a really well-maintained Instagram page, you know, and stay up on hashtags and, and, you know, and linking and, and all that stuff, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot out there right? and you really just want to always stay, always stay moving forward and, and think like, okay, you know, uh, what was my business last year? What's my business this year? And where do I want my business to go next year? And, and think about, you know, okay, who am I marketing to? What are they already paying attention to? And, you know, make your marketing similar to what they're already paying attention to. Right. For sure. So, you know, what's some of the other stuff that's going through your, going through your mind? Like, uh, you know, um, are there particular piercings that you want to start to try to focus on to build a new clientele? Um, is it going to be about jewelry for you? Is it going to be about, um, you know, maybe studio updates or any of that? Like, you know, what are some of the other ideas you might have? Um, well, we have actually purchased a building where we're going to be redoing it and turning it into our studio. Cool. Um, so that is kind of our, our big, big thing. So um, we're very excited about that. And so um, just getting that remodeled and that will be a, a completely different look feel than what we have now. Mm -hmm. um, so that, so we're, for, we're kind of waiting for an update for that. <laughs> um, but uh, we also want to try to become APP members. Um, you know, so we want to put it together the right way the first time, you know, um, and that it helped coming to see you and your studio and how you had your um, your sanitation room and things like that set up because, you know, that's kind of how we were wanting to do ours, too. But actually seeing it helped a lot. Um, and I know you said that it took you a while to get there. So, <laughs> yeah, that's feel good. Like, oh, OK. We're not doing things totally wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, like one of the one of the best opportunities you could have to really make a jump is by, you know, moving locations, but also like owning that location. Because, you know, if you have the flexibility where you can, you know, budget aside, you can do essentially whatever you want with the space. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. And that's a great time to kind of rebrand, you know, I, yes. I've, I've had three different studios, you know, in my 
my my current studio, the one that you saw, mm-hmm. was night and day different than the other two, you know, and it's that same thing where my first studio that I had for, you know, five years or so, it served its purpose. Um, it was right for the time and, and my generation of um, where where I was, you know, and what I was capable of uh, skill-wise, you know, and then the next studio was a, a totally different feel because I was working on a different kind of clientele. And then, you know, when I moved again, it was, you know, you know, completely different layout, completely different color palette, completely different way I, I tried to have... Um, you know, foot traffic uh, uh, steered in certain directions. Right. The waiting spaces and the common areas and everything. Like, I, I really stepped back and thought, okay, you know, I, like, my current studio, my my second studio, current studio at the time, was very much like a tattoo shop kind of vibe, mm-hmm. you know, dark right. colors on the walls and everything felt very, like, dude atmosphere, you know? And, but I was thinking my clientele is 90% female, so I need to I need to create an environment that's more comfortable for the people that are already walking through my door, and you know think like, what are the crossover businesses that that they are using, you know, and salon kind of environments and this calm atmosphere, and and then that's really what I form my studio on, mm-hmm. you know. So have a good plan, you know. Don't just think, you know, what you're doing now. Think about what you want to be doing in five years, and kind of build out a shop that's a little bit future-proof, you know, give yourself room to grow, give yourself room to expand, um, you know, jewelry selection, jewelry cases or seating areas or, or workspaces or whatever, but, you know, really, really plan it out long-term and and you can make huge, huge jumps from, from something like a move of, of location. Right. Yes. And that's, that's exactly what we're going for. You know, like you said, the, um, the more like the salon look kind of not really salon, but not a tattoo shop theme, you know, right. and that, right. I mean, ours isn't like that really now. And a lot of people have all have commented on, man, this is not, this does not remind me of a tattoo shop. And we're like, good, that's, that's kind of, we don't want you to feel like the typical old tattoo shop. We want you to feel more clean. You know, we want you to feel more homey kind, not really homey, but just relaxed in a, in a, just a, a good environment. Um, but that's also what we're going to put over there, but it's just going to be a completely different layout for sure more of a um i guess like higher class theme i guess you kind of yeah i think i think say. mature is a is a good mature, word to yes, use in yes. a situation like that because my studios reflected me as a person and 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 the people on staff you know when when i opened my first studio i was i was 20 you know right, and it right. it looked exactly like a 20-year-old <laughs> post-goth kid owned the place, you know, right. like that's what it looked like. And then the mm-hmm. next shop, I was in my mid-20s and same thing, you know, it was like, you know, this mid-20s kind of vibe, a bunch of people that play PlayStation and listen to metal, you know, and now the new studio, it's like, okay, I'm an adult, I have right. mortgages, I, yeah. you know, I have I have employees, all the, yes. you know, like that's, you know, the the kind of studio I, I want to reflect the, the staff and, and mm-hmm you know, the clientele themselves and, and all that stuff. I want it to be disarming. So when they come in and, you know, they, they see, uh, you know, tattoos that cost $500 or jewelry that costs, you know, three or $400 that they feel confident in the space and it, it looks like it's worth it. You know, like I don't want to have posters all over the walls and stickers all over every cabinet exactly. because that just, that gives off an air of, of immaturity in my yes. opinion. And yes. I, I think people are going to look at that and they're going to say, all right, I don't, I don't know if this is where I want to spend my couple hundred dollars. You know? Exactly. So I want to give them the right environment for them to feel comfortable and confident. Yes, absolutely. 
that is so, perfect. <laughs> Uh, one quick thing. I don't know mm -hmm. if I if I mentioned it while you were at the shop, but uh, you know, so I own I own my building too. And mm -hmm. uh, did I tell you about the like the world's best tax loophole? Well, not world's best, but my favorite tax loophole. No, but okay, I would love to gonna, learn it. <laughs> this is going to be great. So, um, uh, have you already bought the building, or are you in the process of buying a building? We have bought it. Okay. So, did you buy it as like as the two of you, like with your names, or did yes. you make a corporation? Our names. Okay. So, um, unfortunately it will take you a little bit of paperwork and money to, to do this. Um, but anybody else out there, if you are thinking of buying a building in the future or, you know, you're, you're kind of ramping up towards it, th this is a really good system for you. So, um, uh, take a lawyer and, uh, you form an LLC, uh, mm -hmm. and that LLC is what owns the, the building. So, um, in your case, you could still form the LLC, but you would have to transfer the property over from the two of you to that LLC, which would be, you know, a little bit of money and paperwork, mm -hmm. but that's really all it is, is you're just kind of shuffling numbers and, and, and names. So right. you should be able to get away with it pretty easily as far as like the bank is considered, uh, is concerned. So mm -hmm. once you have that LLC limited liability corporation that owns the building, um, you would want to make sure that you have, do you have uh, an LLC for your business? We do not. Okay, so that's definitely another thing that I would I would suggest for anyone because you also want to think in terms of liability. Um, let's say that you know there was ever a problem, somebody got an infection, or somebody slipped and fell, or or just anything. Uh, you know, the two of you are are legally liable for that. So um, you know, if something goes wrong in court, you could lose everything essentially. So you'd also want to have an LLC, a, a limited liability corporation that owns the business, you know, um, divine designs, LLC, or whatever you want. Like I have precision body arts, LLC, uh -huh. and then I have my property LLC. Um, now the really cool thing is when you have LLCs, those are their own entities. Those aren't you, those are just entities and you can be, um, the owner, you can be the sole member, you can be, you know, in charge of those LLCs. But as far as like legal liability concerns go, um, they're not the same thing. So the coolest thing about that is different entities can um, rent from each other. And then you can have basically this really cool tax loophole. So for me, uh, Precision Body Arts pays a, a rent check every month to my property LLC. Uh, Precision Body Arts gets to write off that rent. But the, uh, the amount that I'm paying towards my property LLC is pretty much the same as my uh, my monthly mortgage payments on the building. So at the end of the year, that LLC doesn't have any income that it has to pay taxes on. So all that money that I paid into the LLC as rent is now just a tax deduction. And at the end of the year, that can save you thousands of dollars. Wow. And it's totally legal. Yeah, it's legal. totally legal. <laughs> yeah. And you have all kinds of other legal protections. You know, somebody slips and falls you know, uh, your business LLC or your property LLC could be liable, you know, and you'd want to have you know, insurance or, or things like that to protect that. But, you know, um, you're not going to lose your car. You're not going to lose your house. You're not going to lose this and that because right. of like some sort of, you know, ambulance chaser kind of, kind of situation. Um, but yeah, all that's available. You know, it takes a couple hundred bucks to form an LLC through a lawyer. You know, you can do it on things like LegalZoom too, but like I would really suggest, you know, build a relationship with a local lawyer because as a business gets more complex, you're going to need their services a little bit more. So this is a great way to kind of start a relationship and LLCs are really quick and easy to, to form for a mm -hmm. lawyer. 
it's something that all you have to do is basically just tell them the specifics, hand over a little bit of paperwork about the entities, and they'll just do everything for you, and then they'll just cool. give you a bill for a couple hundred bucks. Very cool. Yeah, that's definitely something we will be looking into. Yeah. I know we had See, talked the, about it in the beginning when we first opened, but it, we, it was just so kind of like over our head that we weren't, you know, we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know for years, you know, but I, I feel like that's another, that was another phase of my career is when I, when I had a, the mental maturity and personal maturity level where I could get serious about business, you know, right. because for a long time it was like, okay, I'm making some money. I have enough money to like buy jewelry and pay my rent. Um, but I don't, I don't know what else I'm doing with my money. I'm, I'm handing over my invoices to an accountant and they're telling me I owe this much in taxes. And then that's the beginning and end of it. Uh, but now, you know, like I have a financial strategy, you know, I have a five year plan. I have a 10 year plan. You know, I have a financial advisor. I have a bookkeeper. I have someone doing my payroll. I have, I have an accountant and like, you know, and I have, I have a lawyer, you know, and it costs money to pay them for their services, but it's worth every penny because, you know, at the end of the year, if I'm paying these people a couple hundred dollars each, they're saving me thousands of dollars by making sure that everything is done correctly. They're giving me financial advice. They're answering the hundred questions that I throw at them. Um, and it's, it's been worth every penny. So that's another thing, you know, if, if you're a piercer and you, you know, it doesn't make sense to you, um, pay someone who can make sense of it, you know, and have them do the work for you. And it's, it's so, so worth it. And that's really the difference between like trying to like push a rock uphill and like, you know, pushing it across a flat plane or just letting it roll downhill. Like everything Mm -hmm. gets easier, the more, you know, and, and the more professional and the more prepared you are. Um, and that, that was a huge thing for me. Like the building that I have now, you know, I never would have been capable of that without these professionals giving me uh, good advice and helping me make the right decisions. Yes, absolutely. That's a big thing. It's like, I, I know that a lot of people ask me piercing advice and piercing questions and all that stuff because it's obvious because I'm a body piercer, you know, and I <laughs> do this podcast and all that junk, you know, but, um, I love business. I love talking business and talking business strategy and long-term planning and all that stuff. So, you know, if there are other piercers out there listening, you know, and you feel like you've got it, mostly figured out for piercing, but you just don't know what you want to do to grow your business. Um, Same thing, you know, reach out to those people that have successful businesses. You know, if there's a really busy shop that you know of, you know, like St. Sabrina's or, or, you know, Rockstar or something like that, like reach out and ask them how they got successful, you know, like shops like Enigma or High Priestess or, you know, Adorn, you know, all those studios out there that are like killing it, you know, like it's not a coincidence and it's not an accident that they're killing it. It's, it's hard work and they had to, to learn a lot of different things to, to achieve that. And there are things that hardworking people can also learn. Yes, absolutely. That is true. Sorry, I went on kind of a business tangent there. That's okay. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I like I like money. I, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a big fan of, of yeah. uh, making money, but like even more so, like at this point in my life and this point in my career, I'm a big fan of keeping that money because yes. nothing nothing hurts more for me at this point than cutting gigantic checks to the government. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I've had times where I've gone in to file my end of year taxes and, you know, I think it was last year or the year before my accountant said, you know, uh, you should sit down before I tell you this amount. I was like, Oh God, this is not going to be good. 
But now, you know, I, I have little tips and tricks and different mm -hmm. things I do and, you know, retirement planning and all that stuff. You know, how many piercers don't have retirement planning? You know, get on it right. early and you'll have yep. a lot more money if you can actually get to that point of retirement. You know? Absolutely. Yes, you will, for sure. Anyway, let's talk about piercing stuff because I feel like I'm, I'm going off and being like old man Ryan. <laughs> So what are some other things on your mind? You know, like, how do you feel like the the industry is going, you know, year to year? Do you, do you think that, like, this whole, like, crazy jewelry wait time thing is, is going to be, you know, good or bad? Do you feel like there's there's a, an even steeper challenge to someone who's just kind of starting out with, with high-end jewelry? Or, or how are you feeling with that kind of stuff? Um, well, I, I don't feel like it's – honestly, I don't really feel like it's any harder to – if you can start out with it, it would probably be easier if you can. And, and, and this is just my opinion versus trying to look at, it's kind of hard when you have to look at all the stuff that you already have and like, Oh, I just need to, I have to throw this away. But kind of like mm -hmm. you had told me before, you know, all you've really spent on that, on that is three, $400 at most, you know, and when you think about it, you're like, well, yeah, true. I really haven't spent that much money on this old stuff, you know. So, right. but I mean, if you can start out with the better stuff, just just do it. Take, go ahead and take the extra couple dollars because it's not much more if you think about it. Um, it really is not. From what I've seen, you know, just for the stuff, it's not a whole lot more to start. I mean, small. especially you if you think about a ton, you know. Right. You think about, you know, sane quantities too. You know, I think a lot of times when people hold on to that lower end jewelry, if you really look at what you're holding on to, you know, it's like it's a hundred pieces of something that you don't even need five of, you know, right. stuff like that. So it's like, what's, you know, what, how, how difficult is it to take, you know, uh, if you need five of a certain size or 10 of a certain size or 20 of a certain size and you order just that in high right. quality jewelry, like you don't need giant quantities you don't need full display cases all that stuff you need to think like okay i'm doing x amount of piercings in an, let's say a, a one or two or three month period you know mm -hmm. and um this is how many i would probably need of you know this size and that size and then once you have that stuff in then you can look at your sales you know and you can say all right well you know it's mostly nostrils i'm doing or mostly tragus piercings i'm doing or whatever and then you can think well, you know, if my top three uh, piercings that I'm doing, you know, I could maybe share a jewelry selection among them. You know, if you can do something like threadless backings that a lot of companies are making now, mm -hmm. you know, you can get you can get jewelry that has crossover between a tragus, a nostril, a lip, a conch, a helix, and you know, you just get the different backings you need for the right. piercing, and then you can just get you know ten end pieces that can work for any of those. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to have complete separate selections of jewelry for all these different categories of piercings you know there's a lot of crossover you can do to really minimize that quantity and, and minimize that initial investment yes absolutely and that was something that I, I i just didn't know you know at the time but now getting more into it and you know exactly what you said it was just one of those things that was like well gosh i don't have to buy you know 10 of you know 10 of this and 10 of that and 10 of that, I can just buy, I can go to Neo Metal and buy their, even their smallest display stand that ha comes with the assortment. Right. 
for less than I would have spent on 10, 10, and 10, or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. And that way, it comes with your backs, it comes with a taper, it comes with all the assortment of tops. And that was the first one that I bought. That was my first purchase. Those things are amazing, you know, because Neo Metal, they didn't put those together by accident. You know, like they, they can pull up their sales data and they can say, all right, these are the most common things that people are buying. So let's make a starter pack that just has that so that when somebody buys it, they can actually just turn it around quickly because like no jewelry company wants their jewelry sitting in a case for years on end. They want you to be able to turn it over and then they want you to buy another one and, and right. sell that one too. So. You know, these companies, they're they're trying to help piercers succeed, you know, and especially the companies that offer something like a, a starter pack like Neometal. Those things are so perfect. I've seen so many piercers, you know, um, just buy it, buy one of those starter packs at the APP conference or any other conferences that they might be at, you know, and they, they're timid and, and they say, okay, well, I'll buy this one thing and I'll see how it goes. And then they get home and it's sold within a week. Right. You know? And, then, yes. and then they're just, they're off to the races. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's all it takes sometimes is just building that momentum and yes. letting it happen. That's exactly kind of how it happened for me too. And, you know, I just called him the other day to order more. And they're, I said, so probably about six to eight weeks, right? And he said, no, no, four. And so I was very happy to hear that it was only going to be four weeks. <laughs> yeah. Neo Metal, they're, they're such a great company, you know, and like they, they definitely bend over backwards to, to try to constantly improve things, you know. And I know that there are a lot of companies that they're, they're doing their best and they're trying and they're expanding, but their, their wait times are still increasing and increasing and increasing. And, and like I love them to death and they're, they're doing what they can. But, you know, for those people just starting out, it's not realistic to wait five months for, right. for jewelry, you know. So a company yes. that can get you jewelry in hand in a few weeks mm -hmm. versus a few months, even better, you know. And especially if they're, if they're trying to set you up for success, you know, and say like, just get this. This is our, these are our best sellers. You know, this is your best shot at, at, at building some momentum. And it's, it's awesome. You know, I remember yes. when I first ordered Neil metal, I got five pieces. I got five backings and I got five two millimeter white CZ prong end pieces. And it took me, you know, a couple of months to sell them because I was still clinging on to those like cheap, crappy nostril screws with a, a cheap, crappy gemstone in it, you know, and I tried to be all things for all people. And then when I got to that point where I was just like, I don't want to use these things anymore. I just want right. to use this stuff. When I switched over to like, hey, I've got this stuff. It's going to cost this much. You know, this is what you get for it. And and then people started responding to that. And then it was just, I, I never looked back, you know, and, and that's that was probably at least 10 years, but, you know, probably more than that at this point, you know, and it was really just, it, it was confidence, it was momentum, and uh, it was just, you know, education and, and setting myself up for success by just taking that plunge. Yes, very, very true. And that was something else I was going to say too, is like for, we were talking earlier about the, you know, new piercers and stuff. And um, another thing that has really helped besides, um, you know, just getting the, the better jewelry and pushing that better jewelry, kind of like you were saying earlier, is two other things that have really helped me a lot is changing my displays. Mm -hmm. Getting the old, because I mean, I had the <laughs> the black, you know, cases. Oh, the that felt trays? Yes. Yeah. And those are horrible. And then it would just be like you have like ten little pieces in there and you can't even see it. And and I right. and it was like, okay, this has got to change. But obviously got rid of the old jewelry and bad jewelry. But just simplifying your cases even. You know, it doesn't have you don't have to have 
97 belly rings out there. And, you know, if, if, if your case doesn't allow it, because that's kind of, right. I thought I had to put everything I had in one case. And I was like, you don't have to do that because sometimes it's too much for people. Totally. They don't want to, they're like, this is just overwhelming. Why do you have 16 of these and 47 of these? And, you know, so I just, my husband actually is, loves making that kind of stuff. So he made some really cool wood pieces and we got some really cool geodes and things like that and just simplified it, but added a lot more character to it, mm-hmm. brought those pieces up and those, those Neo metal, um, assortment packs, there, starter packs on different platforms and things and just brought them closer. And that has helped tremendously just because they're more in people's faces, I guess, mm-hmm. versus them having to bend down and look and turn. It's just, they're there. And another thing was getting Neomed, the aftercare, having that available right here, like in my room when they, when they're getting pierced, it's right here. It's, it's, you know, I have a post or a little sticker that says I sell Neomed aftercare, you know, all of that stuff and they can see it. So that way they're they're like, oh, I can get it here. Oh yeah, get Mm -hmm. it here. You don't have to go down the street and get anything else. This is what I, this is what I recommend anyways. And you know, that spiel of things and it, that helps a lot too. Yeah, definitely. You know, presentation is so important and just kind of stepping back and, and thinking about every, every little bit of it, you know, like you, you can't look at it from your own eyes because you're used to everything, you know, and even if there are little flaws, after a while, you don't, you don't see the little flaws anymore. And uh, it's kind of similar with customers, you know, when customers walk in and they see that black felt tray with all the little cubbies and there's just jewelry dumped in it, you know, they look at that and they don't see something that's, you know, um, got value to it. They don't, they don't see something um, you know, Im- important or, or carefully made or something like that. Like they, they're going to think like, okay, this is just like an assortment, you know, a random yes. assortment. You know, if you, if you really change it up, you, you make dynamic displays and they don't have to be expensive displays. No, not you know? at all. Like even just those basic neo metal displays, um, those are really clean, really mm-hmm. fancy looking, you know, and, and it really just, it displays the jewelry perfectly. So you just change up the presentation and you just, you increase the the value that they perceive the jewelry to have. And then it makes it easier to sell the jewelry and, you know, having the right aftercare right there and, you know, having it, you know, a nice looking can, not like a mess of a label right. and having it look like something that's, you know, worth what you're, what you're charging for and, and looks like a professional product product that they're going to trust to put on their their piercing um all those things are fantastic you know but presentation you know it's it's just a huge part of it that was a big phase for me is going from that like metal kid studio to like the nice salon environment you know everything i really just looked at presentation displays and and everything and and uh it just it increases buyer uh, it increases consumer confidence basically yes absolutely it definitely does well it's like you know when you go into a jewelry shop that you're going to buy an engagement ring or something like that. You want to be going into a place that has that appeal that you think, okay, I, I look at this and I know this is good quality stuff because of the way they're presenting it. They're not just going to take this. If, if this ring is that expensive, they're not just going to throw it into a black little cubby and right. You know, with they're 10 gonna other pre- rings. Yeah. They're going to present it well, where it's the first thing I see. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing. Like when you, when you go to the mall and not to say like Zales is like an amazing jewelry store, but like, you know, those like good presentation jewelry stores, mm-hmm. you can walk past that 
and then you can walk past like a Spencer's and it's like it's very obvious what the quality difference is you know and customers are going to think the same thing of your studio you know right. if you are one of those like you know teen 20 something like just comfortable for you but not aimed towards the clients they're gonna they're gonna look at that the same way as somebody walking past uh, like Spencer's like they're not yes. gonna think like okay this place has jewelry that's worth a couple hundred dollars they're gonna think like okay that's where I would get a piercing for 30 bucks <laughs> right. you know like you want to you want to create the environment so that they, when they walk in you know they see people that are dressed nice they're clean the music isn't like, you know, making it impossible for them to take you seriously and all these different things, you know, and it, like, presentation, you know, it's so huge. And a lot of piercers just ignore it because they're, they just don't see their own environment anymore. They're just so used to it that they don't even pay attention to it anymore. Right, right. And that, and that can, and it, you know, it can be easy, easy to do that. You know, you just come in some days, it's the same old thing or but you have to be in the mindset of kind of like what we were talking about earlier is like if you want to continue to grow your business and grow yourself and your career and your and all of that, you have to think, what can I do to appeal to others? You know, what mm -hmm. how can I change this? What can I um you know, who can I go market to that's different, um, that I haven't gone to or how can I change this display that, you know, when someone walks in, they're going to see this good stuff because they're not sure. seeing it right now or things like that. And if you you I think especially in this industry, you you have to constantly be thinking that way. Right. Because if you and, don't, you you could you could easily get surpassed. Yeah. And, and you know, and you want to freshen it up like with some sort of frequency, you know, because if a client walks in your shop the first time and glances at your display, even if you have good stuff, bad stuff, whatever, they're going to have a mental image of it. Then if they walk in again and the display looks pretty much exactly the same, they might not look at it as carefully because they're going to think like, oh, I've already seen that stuff. Right. But if you switch it up, you know, seasonally or every couple of months or something, or you just take the exact same stuff and just shuffle it around on the shelf, you know, mm -hmm. and then people are going to come in and they're going to, they're going to, they're, you'll see their eyes start to scan, their heads start to move around, you know, and they're really taking a look at what you have rather than just kind of like, oh yeah, it's just the same stuff they had last time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of stuff. Yes, uh, for sure. Man, and aside from my my tangent um so <laughs> hey, i i uh, enjoyed that <laughs> well thank you i'll i'll have the uh, the business wizard podcast coming up shortly <laughs> yes stay tuned um so yeah if you get the chance to to come to that nashville class i'd love to have you there i'm doing two days of it so there's okay. a monday and a tuesday and monday's pretty much booked up at this point but tuesday uh i i've got less than half of that booked so if you're interested uh, Tuesday, January 8th in Nashville, but okay. you're, you're more than welcome. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely get on your page and check that out then. Sweet. I would love to. So, um, to, to wrap it up, where, where can people find you like in the physical realm and, and online? Um, we are divine designs in West Plains, Missouri. Um, we, and then online, uh, you can find me at Tanea Divine, T-A-N-A-I. It's a hard one. Um, I think I'm the only Tanea Divine actually on Facebook. And I'd use my uh, personal page for face, uh, my piercings and stuff. And then you can find our shop page at Divine Designs Tattoo and Body Piercing Emporium. Awesome. 
Well, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anytime. Um, And yeah, and if you're ever in uh, New England again, you know, stop by again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for all of it. You're very welcome. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I'm uh, just outside Portland, Oregon, going for a short hike. I'm at uh, La Tourelle Falls, if I'm pronouncing that somewhat correctly. Uh, I just saw the falls heading back to my car. Uh, I'm solo on this trip, so I thought maybe I'd uh, record a little bit of content. And first off, what I want to do is just kind of talk about the seminar yesterday. Um, I think it went super awesome. Uh, Number one, special thanks to Kellen Smith at the Powers That Be in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, It's a really awesome shop. I was really blown away by the the display cases and the presentation that Kellen uses. Uh, Really cool homemade displays, um, really, really nice, interesting looking cases, and it just feels very, like, spaced out. Nothing feels cluttered or, I don't know, just uh, choking. You know, sometimes you go into a shop and there's just so much stuff everywhere. The cases are overflowing. You know, they have uh, enough jewelry to fill five or six six cases, but they have it in you know two cases. So Kellen really kind of gives everything its its own presentation. Uh, he doesn't try to choke you with jewelry; just puts it in front of you and separates everything uh, between styles and brands. There's a ton of really amazing jewelry from Maya and all kinds of uh, you know gorgeous body vision and, and other gold jewelry. So definitely props to Kellen and his wife for uh, setting up the powers that be uh, and making it something really special. It's hard to um it's hard to talk about work when I'm like out here in this state forest and it's it's amazing. It's all old growth trees, you know, moss hanging from everything, you know, it looks very primordial and uh it's really cool. You know, I I've gone on plenty of hikes around New Hampshire and New England and uh they really don't look you know the the same as this. I mean, obviously it's a completely different part of the country but um just everything here looks so old and cool i don't know anyway uh so i don't have much going on now that i'm done with the seminars i don't really have any obligations there's nothing i have to do so i'm just kind of uh you know taking in the sights i was supposed to have a scarification client someone that usually flies into me uh, on the east coast from over here on the west coast but uh didn't didn't line up with his work schedule so Uh, I've got today and tomorrow just to myself. Today, um, I didn't really do much. I woke up, I went and I got some uh, biscuits and gravy, and then I I came out here for this hike. Uh, Ended up being a little bit shorter than I thought, so, you know, I kind of gave myself a few hours for it, and I think I was up at the falls in, you know, less than 20 minutes, really. You know, it set a couple miles for the loop, and I'm going to guess the way back down is the majority of it, but, uh, you know, I got up to the falls pretty quickly, so I'm just kind of drinking it all in. Later on today, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll kind of stop around at some of the different piercing shops of the people that attended the class yesterday. There are so many really impressive piercing shops out here. You know, it's it's really a testament to all the different professionals who have uh, been able to build up the uh, the community and the industry and and the clientele to be able to sustain that many amazing shops in, in you know a relatively small area. I mean, the Portland area packed with quite a few people. I'd imagine living here or, or traveling in, but uh, you know, an area that has, you know, 10 really good, really impressive piercing studios, you know, all within 
maybe a half an hour of each other, you know, that's uh, that's that's a rarity, you know. So, uh, again, props to everybody out in the, the Portland, Oregon area, you know, putting in your, your work and, and really making the most of it. The, uh, the class, I think, went super good. You know, uh, I had some people travel down from Canada, and, you know, I had some people fly in, and, and lots of people drive in, you know, drive five, six hours to, to get to the class, and I'm always hyper, hyper appreciative of that. So, you know, thank you to, to everyone who made the, the journey out to the class, you know, whether it was 15 minutes or, or five hours. Uh, I really appreciate it, so, you know, thank you. Um, you know, as, as, as I do the class more and more, I, I start to get a little bit more comfortable with the information. I start to know my presentation a little bit more by memory, and, and I don't have to kind of look down at the slides and the notes quite as frequently, so it really helps to kind of keep my flow nice and smooth with the class. But, you know, the, the feedback that I get from people is that, uh, you know, I've made it easy to, to uh, digest a, a kind of a complicated theory. You know, body piercing, it, it can be as simple as, you take the sharp needle and you push it through the soft client, but uh, you know you can you can make it as complicated as you want. And uh, sometimes complicated doesn't mean it's better. So I try to talk to people and and get them to think of the the most simple terms, the most simple movements. You know, less is more in my opinion with body piercing. So you know if you can avoid tools and you can avoid trauma and you can avoid pinching and squeezing and, and doing all these other things, you know, if you can avoid having to shove the needle through and just let physics do the work for you, um, that's that's kind of my, my speed, really, when it comes to body piercing. And it was really cool, you know, at the beginning of the day, there's always people who uh, kind of say, you know, I'm a little bit intimidated by this, or, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for, for these ideas and concepts uh, at my point in my career. But, uh, you know, by the end of the day, those same people, they've got it down, you know. I, I do all kinds of silly stuff like have people um, pierce bananas and, and things like that and foam. But, um, you know, it's, it's for a good reason. It's so they can build up that muscle memory and build up that confidence where I can, you know, watch what they're doing. And, you know, maybe the first few times it's okay. You're not, you're not really getting it just right. You know, try this movement rather than this movement. And, you know, really look, you know, when you, when you pierce through a banana skin, you can really clearly see... The, uh, the trauma caused by the needle, you know, so you can start to really dial it in and you can really see results. So, you know, you're getting those first couple puncture, uh, those first couple puncture wounds and, and you're getting more of a um, kind of a tear action. Uh, and then as you kind of get comfortable with the technique and uh, all the different things that I, that I discussed in the slideshow, you can start gliding that needle through and reduce the trauma a little bit more and a little bit more to the point where you have this this really smooth little slit basically in the banana peel and you know and then once you can transfer those concepts into actually piercing your clientele um, everything just gets easier you know it's easier for the client so they're happier they're going to be telling more people to uh to come and see you and saying oh you know um you know they make it so easy i, I barely felt the thing um and then you get easier healing results and, and all different kinds of stuff so uh, it's just really great, uh, great to see those light bulbs go off over people's heads, you know, like that's a, that's a big deal to me because for a long time I was the person sitting in the class who just couldn't figure it out through explanation alone, you know, it wasn't making sense to me. And, uh, you know, being able to take some of those things that took me a long time to, to learn and be able to kind of transfer it to other body piercers, especially newer body piercers. You know, yesterday there were a few apprentices in the class, and that's amazing, you know, being able to think that uh, you can have some small part in, in someone's growth as a professional, especially at the beginning of their career, and um, kind of say, you know, I had to, to learn these things by making 
mistakes and, and learning through trial and error for years out of my career, you know, and, and to be able to give somebody that information early on and have that be part of their foundation that they can grow on, you know, it really makes me think, you know, what's, what's body piercing going to be like in 10 years when, uh, you know, people take uh, the, the different techniques and ideas that we're exploring now and grow them and, and evolve them, you know, we talked... Uh, a good amount about needle crushing and you know that's a perfect example I feel like needle crushing uh, is is one of those things where you know right now it's about exploration it's about experimentation but I don't think this is going to be the the end of the uh, the conversation you know so I think 10 years from now people will either have you know new innovations for needles or how to uh, manipulate or improve needles um, and and I, I just think things are going to be really interesting and really impressive to see where it goes you know a lot of the younger piercers that I meet now are just like hungry for knowledge they're hungry to make their mark and and really show what they can do in the industry and I'm I'm really excited to see uh, that that next generation of piercers uh, come up through the industry I um, you know I had some weird news yesterday uh, or maybe even the day before that I got some some weird news recently that uh, I did not get re-elected to uh, the board of directors for the APP. Um, you know, bittersweet. You know, on, on one side, uh, you know, it, you can see people volunteering for the APP, and those are the same people running studios and uh, doing a lot of work, uh, and they're they're kind of uh, you know slowly killing themselves through um, you know overextending, and you know they're they're running studios and they're doing volunteer work and. You know, some of them have families and children and, and all these different responsibilities. And uh, you can see that, you know, they get burnt out. Uh, they get very, very tired to the point where they just, you know, they, they need some time off or they need to step away. And I, I feel like maybe I'm, I'm kind of in that category. You know, if you listen to the show regularly, you, you might be able to uh, to tell that I'm a reasonably busy person through my own, uh, my own doing. And, you know, maybe taking some time off from uh, APP volunteering can, can be good for me. Uh, who knows, you know? Um, I know that the three people who were elected to the board are incredibly impressive people. Uh, Kale Belford and uh, Monica and, and Becky, you know, like they're, they're going to just be awesome. Uh, so, you know, I, I really look forward to seeing what they can do. And if you're interested in, in who they are, you know, if you uh, aren't a member and, and didn't get a chance to vote and read their bios and read all the information that they had in uh, the APP online forums, you can go back and I did episodes with all three of them, you know, with Kale with Monica Sabin, you know, Monica was a, a big deal on the, uh, the APP membership committee, you know, still is a big deal, so, you know, does, does a lot of work there, you can uh, hear about all the things that, that Monica is part of, and, um, you know, Becky, I, I taught a class with Becky this past year at the APP conference, and I also did a, a podcast interview with her while we were kind of prepping for that class, and um, hung out with Becky when I was out on the, uh, the West Coast last time, when I was doing my seminar in San Francisco, I stayed with her and her boyfriend Pablo, and uh, just kind of hung out for a while, and uh, we did uh, uh, got some special dim sum, and it's just really cool. So, uh, you know, while I am sad that I won't be on the board of directors uh, after this uh, this next upcoming conference, because that's when the the changeovers happen. So I'm in it for you know another six months or so. Um, you know, that's the 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 the, the tough part, you know. But um, being able to maybe take a little bit more time for myself. Uh, focus on on maybe my classes. I, I really want to double down on those in 2019. You know, I, I really want to get a lot more in, uh, go to a lot more places around the country and, and out of the country. And uh, I, I think it'll be great. You know, take that take that extra time that I have and take the energy that I that I still have and the passion I still have for this industry and you know kind of get out there and, and share it with as many people as I can. So uh, you know, I, I wish them the the best of luck. I expect great things from them. 
and uh, you know obviously uh, I'll try to stay involved in the APP with uh, instructing and and some committee work I'm not going to you know disappear altogether but you know things are going to change for me over 2019 so 2018 was a uh, a crazy year with a lot of uh, very high moments and you know a lot of very low moments and uh, you know this is definitely uh, on that scale for me you know so um, just kind of you know looking forward to what what, what comes after this um, you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to take uh, moments that might bum me out a little bit and, and turn them into a, a positive scenario and and uh, have some fun with uh, with my with my career so I'll probably stop blabbering for now uh, some people are starting to pop up on the trails I don't want to seem like a crazy person talking about body piercing out in the middle of the woods uh, so thanks for listening and you know if I get out to uh, some of those piercing studios I'll get some uh, some more content recorded for you for more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.